Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today, all of it brought to you by Quip Toothbrushes. Quip Toothbrushes start at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash martini, don't forget the slash martini right now, you can get your first refill pack of brushes for free. Much more on that in just a couple of minutes. And, Jim, let's start with our good martini. There's a coup underway in Venezuela. Uh, Juan Guaido is the recognized interim president of Venezuela, at least by us and a lot of other nations, some in our hemisphere, some outside the hemisphere. Nicolas Maduro is the kleptocrat commie, basically, socialist, if you want to be more precise, I guess, uh, who is clinging on to power. Uh, He unfortunately has the support of the Russians and the Iranians and probably the Chinese. Um, Guaido has called for the military to have an uprising today. Uh, Some of them are answering that call. Some are not. So as folks hear this over today and possibly into tomorrow, uh, the situation on the ground there could be very, very different than when we speak right now. And the bottom line is we really don't know how things are going there right now. We're obviously hoping that uh, the effort to remove Maduro is successful. But, uh, uh, Jim, we've kind of been in a holding pattern here with, hey, you've got to go, and Maduro's not going, and this is going to push the envelope here, and hopefully it turns out the right way. Yeah. uh, As I put it in today's morning, Joel, sometimes you get the end of Nicolae Ceausescu in Romania. was a most of Eastern Europe transitioned from communism to uh, I don't know if you want to call it free market democracy or, or post-communism, whatever you want to, however you want to classify what they turned into, uh, relatively peacefully in Romania was the big exception. Basically, there was this big popular uprising. Some folks were loyal to him and his regime. Uh, eventually, they were toppled pretty quickly. Ceausescu was really one of the most uh, heartless bastards to run a, a Eastern European uh, satellite of the Soviet Union. Uh, and sometimes you get to Tiananmen Square. Uh, there is no guarantee that this uprising in Venezuela will succeed. The people who are, are taking to the streets right now are taking their lives into their hands. Um, there are some tenuous reports that sections of the uh, Venezuelan military or portions of Venezuelan military are standing with the people. There are obviously will be some that will stand with Maduro and the regime. Uh, and wh- what happens next in the next 24 to 48 hours may determine the future of Venezuela. Um, it was Gordon Chang who said this morning that uh, uh, if, you know, if, if the soldiers do not follow Maduro, this is the end of his regime. Um, but we don't know how that's going to shake, so it's something to watch closely. But there is at least a possibility of a better future for uh, Venezuela now. And so uh, I understand uh, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo made some very supportive statements of this. I understand also a lot of Americans probably would be very wary about getting too involved in this. But having said that, Look, it's not like this is a, a dispute between moral equals. Uh, we have to be rooting for the uprising and the Venezuelan people here. And hopefully within a couple of days, uh, we will know that Maduro's days are numbered. Yeah, we hate to see the, the loss of life, uh, particularly for those yearning for freedom. Uh, but they're in an untenable situation right now. This Maduro regime is at the point, we've talked about it before, where people are killing their own pets to eat them. There's nothing left for the hospitals. The, the stores, uh, shelves are empty. Anybody who dares to protest is uh, is hunted down in the streets by Maduro's thugs. I mean, it's just about as ugly and vicious as it can get. But unfortunately, there's no guarantee that he won't stay in power. We can cer- certainly hope and pray that uh, that he doesn't. But uh, 
How's this for an awkward transition? Let's talk about cleaning your mouth. Uh, I guess we're cleaning house in Venezuela, maybe cleaning up uh, our, our houses uh, for spring cleaning for those states that uh, have actually encountered spring so far. It is time for spring cleaning, and Quip has an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes twice a day can help pave the way to a healthier mouth and mind. And now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip because the new kids' Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as our original version with no childish gimmicks, so they can brush just like a grown-up. Now, I would point out, if you're wondering, okay, wait a second, Quip was originally marketed to grown-ups. Can kids handle it? Uh, recently on vacation, the kids ran out of their giant, goopy, blue, sparkles-in-it toothpaste uh, that they like, and so like, you know, uh, use daddies. And I gave them the Quip brand toothpaste that comes with the Quip toothbrush, it's not too strong. It's not too minty or, or anything like that. They did it just fine. Worked for them. They liked it. So this is a you know this is indeed a family friendly toothpaste, as well as a family friendly toothbrush. Now, Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that is gentle on your sensitive gums. It's got a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every thirty seconds to remind you when to switch sides, when to switch from top to bottom, and to help you to clean your whole mouth evenly. Quip's multi-use cover works as a stand, it mounts to mirrors, and it slides over your bristles to pack and protect your Quip when you're on the go. There are no wires, no clunky charger, and it runs for three months on a single charge. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule of every three months for just $5, a friendly reminder of when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by more than 25,000 dental professionals, and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. So those are several of the reasons that we love Quip and why over one million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash martini right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com. Slash Martini. All right, Jim, I build it as good, bad, and crazy. The the bad is partly bad. Uh, it's also partly good, I think. Although I don't, in the end, think this would have made a huge difference. But Stacey Abrams has decided to release a video explaining that she's not running. I am announcing today that I will not be a candidate for the United States Senate. I am so grateful for all of the support and encouragement I've received, from fellow Georgians to leaders of Congress and beyond. However, the fights to be waged require a deep commitment to the job, and I do not see the U.S. Senate as the best role for me in this battle for our nation's future. So, Jim, I don't know if you make public announcements about things you're not going to do, but uh, Stacey Abrams has uh, now done that. I get the vibe of the Senate is beneath me. I think I can get higher than this. Uh, It wasn't that many weeks ago where she was uh, offended that people were thinking of her as a running mate for vice president of the United States. So she's either actually interested in that but won't say so right now because it's too early in the process, or she's actually thinking of becoming candidate number 21 or 22. Uh, In the meantime, she's still the uh, true governor in exile. Here's what she says she's going to do right now. Well, I still don't know exactly what's next for me. Here's what I do know. Democracy in America is under attack. Voter suppression is rampant and it is real. So that's going to be her cause until she finds something formal to do. Jim, what do you make of Stacey Abrams not getting in a Senate race in 2020 and for her continuing to claim that uh, voter suppression is the reason she lost? You know, we on the right complain about the liberal, you know, the liberal media, liberal bias, uh, mainstream media, not, you know, uh, uh, covering it down the middle. 
one of the dangers, uh, there are times it can be a bit of an advantage there, or maybe perhaps more specifically a disadvantage to Democrats. Um, Stacey Abrams, look, it, it must no doubt be frustrating to run. You do better than most Democrats have done in Georgia at a really long time. But you don't, you, she was about 50,000 votes short. This was not close. This was not Florida 2000 coming down to 500 votes. This was not Al Franken, where if you find one more, you know, chunk of votes in the trunk of somebody's car, all of a sudden everything, you know, you're, you put over the top. This was, you know, it was close, but it was a sizable margin and not reasonable that it was going to, you know, a recount was going to suddenly find another 60,000 votes for her. And no, all of the things she's claiming as voter suppression were passed by the state legislature like decades ago. This was not some sinister, you know, uh, Republican plot. But the coverage of her, because so many Democrats wanted to believe that they were going to win the state of Georgia, fairly, you know, pretty darn Republican leaning, and that they were going to win it with a outward, you know, outspoken progressive candidate. By the way, not too different than the narrative that surrounded Beto O'Rourke in 2018. Um, that they, they basically, as soon as it was close, it had to be stolen, right? She had to be a victim. This had to be some sort of grand injustice. It couldn't possibly be. That she ran a good campaign, but it's still a pretty Republican state, and she didn't win. <laughs> that's that's too mundane. That's too simple. That that doesn't make them feel good. In some ways, it's more satisfying if you have it stolen from you than acknowledging the fact that you're not quite as popular as you thought you were. And so, no doubt, you know, Stacey Abrams has drunk heavily from this uh, the glass of this narrative, and now I think she's starting to believe her own uh, her own press clippings. You know that she was this grand crusader who was about to completely turn the state's politics upside down until victory was cruelly snatched away from her by a sinister plot. Um, much more satisfying. The problem is, is that, you know, she, she's otherwise the minority leader in the state Senate of Georgia, I believe. And she thinks that's a stepping stone to president of the United States. Now, I suppose you could say, look, in the Trump era, anybody can be vote- elected. Uh, Beto had uh, three terms in the House and nobody noticed. Pete Buttigieg is, uh, you know, just been South Bend mayor, you know, experience doesn't matter anymore. But the other thing also worth noting is that, you know, with 20 candidates so far, I suppose the argument is, well, then at that point, you know, uh, 10%, 20%, 30%, at that point, you'll start looking like a serious candidate. You know, the question is, does she want to do this in 2020 or does she want to run for governor again in 2022? Um, I think this is what's, you know, what one of the dangers of, what we call liberal media bias is that it per- persuades Democratic candidates uh, to believe their own their, their own press clippings, to believe their own hype. And then, you know, my suspicion is this is, you know, like if she wanted to say, I want to run for governor, she could have said so. Clearly, she's leaving the door open for pres- running for president. And, I, you know, most people who spend a lot of time thinking about running for president end up running for president, particularly if they're surrounded by people saying, oh, you should do it. And so if that's all she's hearing, I think she's going to jump in. And I think a lot of these candidates are going to have a very rude run-in with reality. We're already seeing this with the likes of Kirsten Gillibrand and Julian Castro and these guys, where they jump in and they wait for the excitement to begin. And it never happens, Greg. (laughs) It's an M. Night Shyamalan film. Your campaign was dead all along. Well, you know what Georgia Democrats are doing now? They're blowing the dust off of John Ossoff, and we'll see if he... <laughs> Did he get married? I don't know. I don't know. He if, got... if he got married, at least some good came out of that. He got engaged, but uh, he, then he lost, so I don't know if he felt compelled to still go through with it or not. So You I... could make a really funny romantic comedy about all this. All right, let's move on to our crazy martini now, and uh, the laughing will subside here pretty quickly. Uh, Daily Beast... 
A pair of right-wing provocateurs are being accused of attempting to recruit young Republican men to level false allegations of sexual assault against Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg. The details of the operative's attempt emerged as one man suddenly surfaced with a vague and uncorroborated allegation that Buttigieg had assaulted him. The claim was retracted hours later on a Facebook page appearing to belong to the man. A Republican source told the Daily Beast that lobbyist Jack Berkman and Internet troll Jacob Wool approached him last week to try to convince him to falsely accuse Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, of engaging him sexually while he was too drunk to consent. The source who spoke to the Daily Beast said Berkman and Wool made clear that their goal was to kneecap Buttigieg's momentum in the 2020 presidential race. The man asked to remain uh, silent, uh, or at least unnamed, in this story because he, he feared legal retribution from uh, Berkman and Wall here. So uh, ultimately, this uh, kid who is named Hunter Kelly met with uh, Berkman and Wall, according to his account, and uh, ultimately decided not to be part of their operation here. Nonetheless, uh, Twitter and Medium accounts in his name that he did not create ultimately went forward with this vague allegation, promising more details as time went on. Uh, And then uh, shortly thereafter, someone else who had been approached by them reached out to the Daily Beast, provided audio allegedly of their conversation. uh, And the whole story is uh, detailed quite more extensively in the Daily Beast. So, uh, Jim, these are the same folks who tried to drum up sexual assault allegations against Bob Mueller. Multiple ways to look at this. Uh, The most important, of course, is it's a truly disturbing and disgusting uh, attempt to uh, smear someone one, uh, deliberately without uh, any basis in fact, the more entertaining part of this is just how horrible they are at trying to pull off this conspiracy. Now it can be told. This is why you listen to the Three Martini Lunch. This is where Jim, you know, once things have died down, tells things that he didn't want to talk about publicly beforehand. So yesterday, one of my NR colleagues gets the email with this account. And I think there's two, a couple things we can take from this. First of all, the website medium.com, anybody can open up an account there. Now, it looks very nice, the, the, the typeset, the format. You, could, you know, We've seen presidential candidates post things up on there. I think this is where Beto was doing his uh, web diary. And it looks professional. It looks like somebody might have gone through it and, and edited it, but it's not. You know, any Joe Schmo can can put up anything he wants. So medium.com, because it's relatively new or not that well known, people might think, oh, it's a website. You know, oh, oh, it's a, there's some sort of editorial guidance over this. They wouldn't put it up there if they didn't have if this didn't have some credibility. No, you can just go up there and put up anything you want. Um, then you get into the account that was in there. There was some it's very strange how it was very clear they decided this was sexual assault. No details on when, no details on where, no details on the actual account. Um, and it seemed particularly odd. But as I mentioned, this was sent to one of my uh, National Review colleagues. I won't say which one because we basically, our suspicion now is that this got sent to the kook list. And um, I don't think that this, my colleague is a kook, <laughs> but his email is out there. Um, and so the other thing which is also worth noting is that two of the first places to run it, Greg, were InfoWars and Gateway Pundit. Not two, two establishments not known for their extensive and detailed uh, fact-checking. And so we kind of it, it's one of those things where I, my first thought was that this was somebody on the left who had put this out to conservative media to see who would bite on it, who would run the allegations with doing zero fact-checking, zero talking to the accuser, uh, zero efforts to verify the allegations inside. And then eventually somebody would say, aha, look at these people. They made such a huge big deal about due process and fact-checking during the 
Brett Kavanaugh controversy, but now as soon as one of the Democrats is accused, uh, nobody pays attention. You know, or, or these guys throw it out the window, which would have been a fair criticism. You could still say it's a fair criticism. I also would point out, if, if you're a, if Pete Buttigieg uh, is the flavor of the month, right? He's, he's the guy who came out of nowhere. He's getting up to 7 8% in Democratic primary polls. Um, he's the hot new candidate, et cetera. So you ask the question, who would have the most motivation to want to take him down and take him out? <coughs> Beto. Um, you know, and the other question would be, which venue would do the most damage to Pete Buttigieg? It ain't InfoWars. It ain't uh, Gateway Pundit. You know, and I'll be perfectly honest. I'm not sure in National Review doing a, a, dev, you know, a, a report on this allegation would be the most damaging. You'd have to figure there'd be plenty of mainstream publications that would be uh, eager to meet with the accuser, dig into it, see if there's any truth behind it, see what the uh, what parts of the accuser's account can be verified, uh, things like that. And it, you know, the fact that they didn't, you know, so, so this between this and a conservative uh, email list I'm on, people are discussing it. I'm saying, look, guys, this emits an odor. This this seems really there's no specifics in it. Um, it's you know, it's very weird that they're sending this to us. You think there'd be lots of other folks. You figure other campaigns would be wanting to, to you know, pump this around. Let's see what's, you know, be very careful with this is what I was telling everybody else who, who was asking me about it. Lo and behold, we find out that this is actually done by two guys who kind of have a history of this. Um, you look smart if you take the time to check the facts and verify this sort of stuff. This is what we wanted to see from the left and from the mainstream media during the Kavanaugh allegations. Uh, and it's, you know, some on the right did not pass that test this time around, but I think it is worth noting that generally they're the one, they're exactly the ones you would have expected to, Craig. Yeah, and the vast majority on the right uh, were holding their powder dry for the exact reasons you said. There's absolutely no specificity in that initial post, and uh, now it's all come unraveled in very short order. And the thing is, I mean, there's plenty of ways to go after uh, Mayor Pete without trying to make up uh, scurrilous accusations like this. The crime rate in, in South Bend, for example, hasn't been great. Yesterday, he was off in Harlem kissing the ring of Al Sharpton for some reason, uh, certainly damaging his uh, middle-of-the-road Midwestern guy uh, approach here. And if you listen to him talk on most issues, he's pretty far left. So there, there's plenty of fodder to, to, to criticize him in substantive yeah. ways and to explain why he he shouldn't be the nominee or the president, but to do things like this is, is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, and let's point out, um, people say, ah, you know, it's these wackos. They always do this kind of stuff. You know, it kind of gets tuned out. Look, we have no reason to believe that Pete Buttigieg has ever done anything like this. But if he had, uh, anyone who came forward now would automatically be seen more, uh, any victim who came forward now, would be viewed at with great more, much more skepticism and, and, you know, perhaps even mockery because of what these two guys did. And, and that's, you know, what's kind of really galling here. Don't make false accusations because then you turn into the boy who cried wolf. Now, again, as far as we know, Pete Buttigieg has been a saint and has never done anything like this and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, this is why this is every bit as damaging as false accusations uh, in, in any other context you can think of. So it is, you know, you don't, you're not the two two wrongs don't make a right. You are not making the world a better place by putting a, a false accusation out there. Um, the the kind of the con arm argument is that these guys are kind of the wily e. coyote of, of the right, but I don't even think that's people like wily e. coyote. <laughs> they rooted for wily e. coyote. These two guys um, they just seem to go after prominent figures that they don't like in the most clumsy and self destructive ways possible. But I think even in then I. I don't know if you make the world a better place through hoaxes, Greg. I don't think so. 
I think we've uh, pretty well established that on both sides of the aisle now. Uh, and hopefully uh, we can get back to things that actually are real and things that actually matter for this uh, campaign. We've got a long way to go, so let's dig into, let's dig into the meat of this campaign. So, yeah, our argument against all these candidates should be the truth is bad enough. Yes, exactly, exactly. All right, Jim, good to be with you as always, and uh, talk to you again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And don't forget our good friends over at Quip. You can get your Quip electric toothbrush starting at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash martini, you get your first refill pack for free. Getquip.com slash martini. And tune in again Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.